or FANG stocks plus Microsoft, five stocks in total, are up 15% this year. The remaining 495 S&P stocks are down 8%. Isn't that a very worrying lack of breadth um, in, in the market? And, you know, I've heard many people say, oh, yeah, but this time it's different. But isn't that going to come back to haunt us? It's not really different, is it? Um, yes and no. Uh, in the short term, we might see further polarization of the markets. And that's, once again, abundance of liquidity and the fact that traditional businesses are being crushed by the new economy, new business model, uh, like the ones that you mentioned. Uh, over the long term, if the bubble becomes unsustainable to a point where uh, the, the bubble tends to just explode on its own, on weight, rather than uh, anything that we can gauge on fundamental analysis. So um, I would caution investors that, uh, you know, uh, fighting against that polarization trend, but as it always happens, that the bubbles usually just uh, create its own device. And uh, we might be seeing that. Uh, personally, I have no idea how to pick that, to be honest, and uh, we'll keep trying, though. Peter, always good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. That's Peter Kim at KB Securities over in Seoul. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets this morning, uh, in Seoul, first of all, this Cosby is up about uh, 0.3%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is also moving ahead. It's up about 1%. Not much movement in Australia. That looks pretty flat. Also looks like the Hang Seng is going to open more or less flat later on this morning. Uh, Brent crude oil slightly firmer at $38.50 a barrel and gold is also moving up as well this morning at $1,741 an ounce. Do please stay tuned for back chats with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. After the 8.30 news, the weather forecast, sunny periods, few showers, isolated thunderstorms at first. Going to be about 32 degrees maximum temperature in the urban areas. Very hot in the next couple of days. It's 29 degrees right now and it's 82% relative humidity. 8.32, here's, uh, here's Pierre Tremblay with the half-hour news. Health officials say they will not evacuate a building in Chatin even after six residents tested positive for COVID-19. Sources say four residents of Lokchun House were positive in preliminary checks yesterday after a warehouse worker and her husband were confirmed to have the virus at the weekend. Three other people were diagnosed yesterday, two co-workers of the woman and a paramedic who took her to hospital. Professor Ivan Hong, a University of Hong Kong infectious disease expert, expects more clusters. We will be expecting some local cluster, small cluster to happen uh, now and then until probably we'll, we might be seeing a second surge in the coming winter. The problem, of course, is that we worry about co-infection with influenza together with the, uh, the COVID-19. Uh, so the mainstay of prevention is still uh, very important is the use of surgical masks, which are able to prevent or break the, the transmission chain for both COVID-19 and influenza. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the country is looking into the option of opening its doors to Hong Kong people after Beijing pushed through a national security law for the SAR. Mr. Pompeo gave no further details of visas or quotas for SAR residents. The Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell said he hoped the Trump administration would soon identify specific ways to impose costs on Beijing for curbing freedoms in Hong Kong. President Trump has said he's mobilizing military resources to put down violent protests following the death in police custody of the unarmed African-American George Floyd. Mr. Trump said state and local governments had failed to act in to contain the violence. I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. 
I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. As Mr. Trump spoke, tear gas canisters could be heard being fired at protesters near the White House. Next news at 9. Good morning and welcome to Bag Chat. I'm Hugh Chivas and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. And we're going to be talking first today about the ongoing rest in the United States triggered by the death of George Floyd. President Trump has vowed, as we've heard there, to deploy the U.S. military to quell the civil unrest on America's streets. Earlier, he told state governors they must dominate protests and called on law enforcement to get much tougher. Several cities, including Minneapolis, Washington, D.C. and New York, are under curfew on Monday night. Why did the incident escalate into nationwide protests? How are they being handled? What do you think of China's response? And what do you make of the U.S.'s response to events in Hong Kong? Uh, call us on 233-88266 with your thoughts, or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. Our number 233-88266, 233-88266. Joining us now, we have with us Bruce Walpose, a senior fellow at the United States Studies Center at the University of Sydney who had also worked on the Democratic staff in the US Congress for 10 years and recently on the staff of the uh, Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard uh, and Nicholas Gordon, who's Chair of Democrats Abroad Hong Kong and uh, Kenneth Lung, the Accountancy Sector Legislator, will be joining us after the news at uh, 9. A lot of emails on this and some reflecting, first of all, on uh, yesterday's discussion with with Elsie uh, Lung, the former Secretary for Justice. Um, here's uh, some. Uh, Jim says, Thank you, Miss Lung. Calm and knowledgeable. The issue depends on trust, Trump or China. Your listeners can decide. Uh, and a few Andrews. Andrew D says, concerns range from subversion, stroke incitement interpretations on anyone with a different opinion or critical of the government. This happened even without national security laws and well before the labelling of all protests as riots or terrorism from last June. I give you the illegal abduction of the booksellers selling books critical of PRC leaders. Our administration and judiciary happily swept this under the carpet long ago. It doesn't inspire confidence. Andrew F. says, perhaps after last week they need to rename the White House the Greenhouse because there seems to be an awful lot of glass for someone throwing stones. Just to recap, the US placed sanctions on Hong Kong last week, supposedly over freedom of press, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly concerns in a week where they arrested a CNN anchor reporting on the protests on live TV, assaulted protesters on live TV, including one young woman who was kneeling when punched in the head by a police officer, another knocked out cold with a single punch, used two long large police SUVs to deliberately mow into a crowd of protesters, had the President of the United States state that protesters could be shot dead, imposed curfews on more than 20 major cities, banning protests and bringing in the military, fired hundreds of rounds of rubber bullets and thousands of tear gas. I look forward to our own movement that hero worships Trump and holds up America as the paragon of all things just, very publicly condemning the Trump administration for these actions. After all, if police brutality is the major concern, I can't see it gets much worse than taking eight minutes to choke an unarmed handcuffed man to death by kneeling on his neck while he begs to breathe. Perhaps Nathan Law and Mark Simon can come on back chat again soon to condemn Trump and this police brutality and let us b- know how the 
both hashtag stand with America. And Andrew Kay says anyone tempted to sign up for life in the UK should be prepared for life in the third world. For sadly, this is where the UK is in the food chain today. There's much in Hong Kong that they'll miss. Matthew says it's comical to see the CCP and their loyal proxies, including the Backchat new listener cadre, desperately tripping over themselves in an orchestrated effort to use the US situation to justify themselves. Here are the differences with the Hong Kong situation, the Tiananmen massacre and the many protests which regularly take place in mainland cities. One, in the US, everyone was able to watch uncensored footage and commentary of events live. Second, the mayor of the US city apologised directly and sincerely. Three, the city's police chief also sincerely apologised, went out to meet protesters directly and kneeled to mourn the victim. Four, the accountable officer was arrested and will face a fair, transparent legal system. Five, if people don't like those in charge, they can vote to change them. Get a grip and wipe the saliva from your mouth, guys. We are not fools. Mike says, lest we forget, only in America laws are placed to protect its people from the government. All other countries make laws to protect and maintain government control. Once you understand that, you won't be disappointed with your government's actions. And uh, finally, uh, Kenny says, uh, one of your listeners argued that one difference between the current unrest in the US and the Hong Kong protests is that America gives its citizens unfettered access to the media footage, while China's censorship blocks its people from seeing the Hong Kong protests. No argument there. But Hong Kong residents are free to watch the US riots on multiple networks, a clear example of the difference in the freedoms we enjoy here compared with those that are curtailed in China, i.e. a successful working illustration of one country, two systems. And ironically, this very distinction and the resultant freedom that we, now in, that we enjoy is now possibly at risk as a direct result of the violent anti-government and anti-China activity that has occurred in the past year. That is from Kenny, backchat.rthk.hk uh, is our email address. Mr. Wolper, Bruce Wolper, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Hi, thanks, thanks very much indeed for, for for joining us. So, um, a, a lot of people are kind of surprised, I guess, by the you know the tinderbox effect of this um, this single incident sparking such a massive reaction uh, uh, across the country. Why why did that happen? What's come about? What's happened there? Uh, um, uh, several things. It was so dramatic, so confronting. Uh, and, and absolutely unavoidable in what we're seeing in the brutality involved and the consequences of it. Uh, and and it really went to, I think, just tensions underlying the United States this time uh, that have uh, really come to the fore during the Trump administration, the Trump presidency, an extremely divided country. Even before what happened over the past week, it was my sense that the United States was more divided uh, at any time since the, uh, since the Vietnam War. So you have this uh, brutal murder that occurs. People are extremely upset. But it, uh, but under that, or, or parallel with it, are two really profound things. The pandemic, a death toll of over 100,000. It's about 103,000, as we're talking right now, projected to go to 120,000. I mean, that is um, 30 world, you know, 9-11 casualty tolls um, in the past 90 days, a horrific number. And then you have, of course, the economic consequences. The economy was shut down. 40 million unemployed, 25% unemployment, the worst since the Depression. So the country under immense stress. And then this happens, and it really brings to the, to the fore feelings of insecurity, inequality, uh, a, a system that's not working for so many in the country, uh, a sense of despair and anger. 
And all, so all of this is in a kind of toxic mix that is unfolding as we see it. It's really one of the most dangerous times I've seen in decades and um, the worst uh, since uh, the, the anti-Vietnam War movement and the Civil Rights Movement coincided in the late 60s and early 70s when you had very similar scenes as we're seeing now of demonstrations across the country, people in the streets, people angry, and uh, institutions and leadership trying to cope with it. Can you tell us a bit more about um, uh, the, the, the tension between uh, the police and uh, African Americans um, in, in the last couple of years in, in the United States? Well, I mean, just in, in, in our, whatever age we are, and what we can remember, you think back on the beating of Rodney King, you know, in Los Angeles in 1991, mm. and, then in, uh, and then just with um, tragic regularity, uh, African, African-American men, principally, have been shot and killed by police on a regular basis. Um, the Washington Post uh, uh, did a, accounted for all the police um, killings over the last year. In the 2019, it was over 1,000, of which 25% were African-Americans, and African-Americans about 14% of the population. Two weeks ago, everyone saw the killing of the jogger in Georgia, right? Young, young African-American man. So this is in the forefront of concerns of, of the African-American community. A lot of parents don't know if their children will come home at night when they send them to school. And and so it's a pervasive issue. Um, when you think about just other tragedies in the country, not just uh, police killings, um, you turn to your leaders for uh, comfort and assurance. So let's, let's think back on uh, the... the the Challenger's spacecraft explodes. We had SpaceX over the weekend. It was successful. But in the 80s, the Challenger spacecraft explodes. Ronald Reagan, terrific in, you know, talking to the country about it. Bill Clinton, the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma that killed over 150 people. Um, you have George W. Bush at 9-11 and that immense tragedy in uniting the country then. Uh, Barack Obama, the killing of the school kids in Connecticut. And the, and the killing of black worshipers in a church in South Carolina. And he addressed, and he sings Amazing Grace. And the, and the country understands it. But last week, uh, President Trump did not address the fundamental issues or did not speak to the hearts of those who, who the people whose hearts were broken by what they saw. So we, we have all these tensions unfolding without leadership from the White House to Make, give a sense to Americans that things, I understand it, let's work together, let's build a better future. So that is the sense of despair that so many have. So from their day-to-day lives, am I going to face a policeman today and is he going to kill me? To the insecurity I have about my life, my household, my income, and where we're going to go in the future. Also with us is uh, Nicholas Gordon, Chair of Democrats Abroad in Hong Kong. Uh, Nicholas, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, thanks for, for, for joining us once again. Um, you know, you look at uh, the support for Trump uh, in polls and so on, and it's been pretty consistent, not high, but very solid. Do you really think, <clears throat> do you think these events are going to uh, alter that? Or do you think that really this is just a matter of a further polarisation, that those who, uh, those who are on Trump's side are going to stay there and um, those who weren't are also not going to move? Well, I'm 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 going to build off of something the um, the, the other guest just said. Um, you know, in times of in times of crisis, in times of chaos, people look to their leaders to 
um, you know, appeal for calm, unify the country, and set a path forward. Uh, it's clear, I think, that that Trump's behavior is not only um, not stopping this happening; it's inflaming it. Um, his press conference just today almost certainly will inflame the crisis further. Um, and I think Americans know this. Um, the other thing I'd like to note about President Trump is not only is he unwilling to show leadership on this issue, he, he actually can't um, because he has no credibility on this issue. You know, since he took office, he's pursued um, the policies of white nationalism. He's rolled back um, police oversight efforts at DOJ. Um, he said, you know, the fine people on both sides comment after the Charlottesville protest. Um, he's insulted prominent African-American politicians like the late Elijah Cummings. Um, and his policies on the whole have targeted um, not just African-American communities, but minority communities in general. Um, so, again, the president has no credibility, even if he was, you know, quote unquote, willing to show leadership. Um, who would believe him? You know, he has he has he has no tools and no credibility on this issue. Okay, our number is 233-88266, 233-88266. And uh, we've got a caller. It's Mike. Mike, good morning. All you have to do is listen to Caitlin McKinney's uh, briefing this, uh, today. Just listen to it. And what this guy, what this Democrat has said is completely, completely wrong. Uh, I'm sorry, if you listen to her complete, uh, she gives examples and she gives headlines. And... Uh, sorry, I'm, I don't know who she is. I'm sorry. Can you tell us oh, who she is? She, she's the White House spokesperson. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, just, listen to her, just listen to her complete. And what she says knocks down everything that this spokesman just just said. Uh-huh. Can you pass on any of that information? What, like, 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 in what way well, is it not? Well, she gave right? examples of what he is doing right now and the and. and and to say that he has been silent and to say that he doesn't isn't doing anything and she lists of what he is doing and right after that she is listing what uh the the uh M, the uh, the mainstream media is saying he is doing and there is a complete disconnect because what he is doing and what he is saying is uh, is uh, uh, put down in in a on a timeline and what the mainstream media is claiming he is doing or not doing is completely wrong. Yes, but, um, I mean, if he's calling for unity and healing, uh, what has he done, Mike? You know, some of, some of this is complete failure of the states, and the federal has to support it, but it isn't to be uh, as what, we, what you're uh, expecting, um, to be able to control each and every state, there is a, you know, the the, the color of the uh, the speaker before this Democratic speaker said that 25 percent of the shootings have been on black people. That means that 75 percent of the shootings have been against white and Hispanic, and we don't have this uh, this blowback whenever a white person is shot by a police officer or a Hispanic person is shot by a police officer. Now, don't get me wrong. This was done and this was completely wrong. But there were four officers involved. 
there was one Asian officer, two black officers, and one white officer. And that the mainstream media do not want to talk about that. They want to talk about white on black. Uh, okay, Nicholas Gordon, do you want to respond? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with Mike that the police in, America, in the United States shoot too many people. Um, I mean, then that's also the. I mean, that that's the thing about 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 structural racism and structural prejudice is that the system has disproportionate effects on um, on minority communities and people of color. Um, so on the one hand, both of these things could be true that the police over like use force too often in all circumstances, affecting people of all races and colors. And it can also be true that this burden falls disproportionately on minority communities and people of color. Again, if you if you were to tell if you were to talk to me and say the police shoot people of all colors too often, I'm like, of course, I will agree with you on this front. Could I just add one thing and then I'll get off the line and because people a lot of people don't like to listen to me. I mean, when you when you think about what a police officer goes through, a police officer goes through six weeks of police academy. Will you give me a break? Six weeks of training before he's given a gun and he's given a, I mean, a medical, I had this, I had this uh, thought given to me by uh, uh, an ER doctor and says, we have eight years of training and we get policemen coming into the ER room and they've got some real men- mental problems. Okay, uh, can I can I just uh, read an, an email that we've got uh, to you, Mike? Uh, this, okay. is, this is from Mark, who says, Police forces around the world are taught to be aggressive and to feel empowered in enforcing the law. It might just be that those filming the incident in the US contributed to the death as the officer kept kneeling on the neck. Uh, why would he do uh, what they were asking him to stop when his training told him to be aggressive and to not concede to external influences? So he yeah. might have stopped earlier if they weren't there filming it, as he needed to be strong and show everyone he was in Wait control and not his, willing to bend to external influences. His training teaches him to, as soon as he handcuffs somebody, he, he turns them over on their back. And the reason is... If you are on your stomach, your chest is already completely expanded, and you can't expand it very easily. So if you put your knee on their back, it's it's like it's like uh, uh, putting your your hand over their mouth. They can no longer breathe because their lungs cannot expand. And so when he, this guy had his knee on the carotid artery. That is just the same as choking him. He kept that knee on the carotid artery for nine minutes. Yeah, I mean, the email was suggesting that uh, because there's somebody filming this event and and there's somebody saying, let go of the guy. Police are taught what to do when they're cuffed. Yeah. That that policeman went against what his training taught him. Sure. But I'm, I think the, the point would be that the, the psychology is if there's somebody there telling you filming it, um, that might make it worse. That might exacerbate the situation because they don't want to be, they don't want that's to listen why, to the, the why, reacting against the person taking why, the film. That's why police need to go to school for a longer period of time. They need to have years of training so they have the psychological uh, evaluation in which they don't get in six weeks. Mm. 
Okay, well, uh, thanks very much indeed, Mike, uh, as ever, for your, for your call, 233-88266. Here's another email. This is from Norman, who says, Dear RTHK, American protesters are so infuriated with CNN's inflammatory, one-sided and biased reporting that they confronted them by trashing their entrance and its headquarters had to be guarded by the police. Americans don't trust the media anymore. It's been suggested that the media is partly to blame for the rise of Trump. Let's see if they will help get him re-elected. It's not going to end well when the leader of the administration calls aggrieved citizens thugs, when I bet some people would be tempted to associate that term with him and some members of his own administration. Only thugs would send militarised forces within days to crash dissent and citizens with legitimate grievances in a democracy. That comes from Norman. Uh, Bruce Wolper, what, what about the role of the, the media in this? Are they... Are they making things worse? Are they making things better? What what do they play a part? Uh, I, thank you. I don't believe the media is making things worse or making things better. Uh, the media has an important role to play in a democracy. It helps keep uh, power accountable. It, it reports the news. Uh, they, uh, there, there's a wide diversity of media from extreme left to mainstream to extreme right. That's all fine. But uh, what's happened under President Trump is it's such a confrontational approach to the media where he says they are the enemy of the people. That is a loaded term. It's extremely dangerous, and it's whipped up immense hostility uh, among uh, uh, his supporters towards the media. It's extremely unhealthy. You can't have a functioning democracy if you don't have a, a, a vigorous media. Uh, yes, of course it's accountable, but a vigorous media reporting on the news without intimidation or fear. And so uh, it's, it's all these things, what the previous caller was talking about, involve a need to dial down emotions, hostility, confrontation. Understand the forces that are at work in the country, the threats that the country faces as a whole. And then um, convened uh, summits, meetings, uh, uh, bring leaders together from across the spectrum to talk about where are we, where are we going to go, how do we get there. That is not happening. So yes, you need to restore law and order on the streets, absolutely. But that's only half the equation. The other half of the equation, and the more profound part of the equation, is for a new consensus to emerge. We have serious problems in the, in the United States. Let's address them together. That, it is that deafening silence on that point from the White House that is perpetuating the issue and which is leading to an election season where it's going to be extremely divisive extremely confrontational, extremely angry. And that's why the country's in such tough shape. Okay, a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of emails um, and sort of comparing uh, what's happening there with, with Hong Kong and discussing the relevance. Uh, but here's one specifically, perhaps, uh, that uh, Nicholas Gordon, you could, you could address. Paul says, Dear Backchat, can you ask the Democratic Party representative why their current nominee for president recently said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. The Democrats are complete embarrassment at the moment. They have no right to politicise the current situation in the US, especially when they come out with the sort of racist howlers as, as per Biden's recent comment. That comes from Paul. Nicholas Gordon? Yeah, um, I think my response will be is that I think it's true that neither major political party has gone far enough to, to confront um, the systemic issues of race and structural racism in the United States. But it's also true that of the two major political parties, only the Democratic Party understands that this is a serious problem that must be confronted. Um, Vice President Biden today uh, went to a service in Wilmington. He's met in Delaware. He's met with protesters. He's convening roundtables of mayors. Um, the Democratic Party, alone of the two major parties, 
understands that this is that that this has to be confronted. And you know, and I guess I'll I'll kind of end this point by saying, you know, to any Americans listening in, you know, if you care about the country and you despair about what you're seeing in America's cities and you worry about the future, you know, for God's sake, please vote in November. You know, vote for the Democratic nominee for president. Vote for vote for House and Senate. Vote for state government if you can. And and that's and that's how change is going to have to happen. Um, in the United States. Okay, Bruce Walper, finally, can I just put it to you, you know, this the, the comparison that's often made, well, people were saying in Hong Kong, you know, the Americans were so critical of the police action uh, in in Hong Kong and condemning it for brutality, and then they're ten times as brutal when it comes to their own citizens. What's going on there? Well, there's a very strong voice, and there are very strong voices in the United States. They're in the streets, they're in the Congress, uh, who are extremely concerned about um, how uh, force is just being applied without addressing the underlying issues. Hong Kong has underlying issues, too. They need to be addressed. So I think I'm really on the same plane as those who are concerned about the future of uh, people having uh, both goodwill and democracy at the same time. Okay. Um, as I say, a lot of emails, one from Richard S. Uh, these many comparisons between Hong Kong with uh, US excessive police violence aren't helpful and don't absolve the Hong Kong police. Let's not forget what caused the US riots, the police themselves. Whereas in Hong Kong, the police did not cause the vi- riots, they just exacerbated a volatile uh, situation. And uh, Paul says, who would have thought the cure for coronavirus was not social distancing or the destruction of small businesses or the shutting of churches or even the wearing of face masks? But as there's been no reports of a coronavirus spike in Minneapolis, it seems that race riots and looting have done the job quite nicely. That comes uh, from uh, Paul. Plenty more emails to share after the news at nine o'clock. We're going to take a break. Uh, For the moment, uh, Bruce Walper, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Senior Fellow at the United States Studies Centre at the University of Sydney and Nicholas Gordon, Chair of Democrats Abroad Hong Kong. Weather, sunny periods forecast for today with a few showers and some thunderstorms at first. 30 degrees at the moment and a relative humidity is at 78%. Welcome back. This is Banked Out on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're continuing to talk about, uh, I guess, a sort of uh, triangulation of uh, Hong Kong and uh, China and the uh, US and what's happening uh, in the different places uh, in respect and how that uh, compares and how that affects uh, the security issues uh, in Hong Kong and uh, China and uh, the and China mainland and also in the United States. Uh, joining us now is Kenneth Lung, who's the accountancy sector lawmakers, uh, a lawmaker. Once again, our email address is backchat at rthk.hk you can call us on 233-88266 we've got a lot of comments uh, you can comment on our Facebook page as well that's backchat and rthk radio 3 uh, long comments quite well suited to uh, the Facebook page of course um, uh, uh, ones that you email to me may get edited uh, for length on Facebook, Bruce says the upcoming LegCo election is the only way to hear what Hong Kong people think and want. The previous district council election showed a clear message and preference. We will see. Time will tell. Um, Victoria there says no need to wait. The Chinese University School of Journalism just completed one. Four questions unambiguous. Check it out yourself. T says TC says besides what I said yesterday, uh, here's another food for thought for Blue Ribbon supporters. When video surfaced that police officers in Atlanta's use of force 
force were deemed excessive, they were either fired or investigated the following day. So I don't think anyone is suggesting that American policing is perfect. And yes, American police may use heavier-handed tactics on citizens, but the speed and level of accountability is much higher. I should remind everyone that no Hong Kong police force officers have been charged for any misconduct in the past 12 months. Uh, Tom says, right now, people on the left and right sides of all the factions around the world digest much of their news in the form of 10-second violent videos. This trend seems not to be working out well, and eventually the world needs to find a way to curate social media. Ten years ago, when people received their news from the pre-clickbait mainstream media, the stories were given context and had expert guests who proposed solutions rather than protesting and violence. We're now reaching a tipping point with the real-time stream of violent videos that keep people in a state of perpetual outrage. We've seen this in Hong Kong for six months until we're all, it seems we're all suffering from complete adrenaline exhaustion. Uh, solution five minutes social media timeouts or GPG and R ratings for tweets. Uh, it's been done before. UK unbiased media regulations are a good example. Uh, and uh, Bruce says, Mr. Fake President is poison for anybody and everybody, including people of Hong Kong and USA. Uh, Mr. Rump Trump is lying, selfish, immoral, arrogant, ignorant person uh, on a good day. That comes uh, from Bruce. Bowen says, any comparison of the current riots in the US and last year's riots in Hong Kong, which aims to conclude that the police here acted properly and with restraint, is loose and inflammatory rhetoric. First, as a result of official policy, attitude and policy, uh, facts seem to have become more and more difficult to ascertain in Hong Kong. We seem to have become unable to get to the truth behind something as obvious as a sudden increase in people mysteriously having drowned and fallen off buildings in the period of civil unrest last year compared to the same period the year before. Second, anyone who's actually lived abroad knows that civil unrest last year was almost unnaturally inconsequential, obviously by design, in terms of the lack of crimes committed and properties burnt down or completely destroyed, compared to genuine riots like those now going on in the US. Third, anyone who cares to think about what triggered the riots in the US, a cop's kneeling on the neck of a suspect, must recall having watched similar and other, other more gruesome scenes countless numbers of times on TV last year in Hong Kong. And as pointed out, people just cannot be sure no one was killed if a commission of inquiry is not appointed to find out their truth. The diatribes and tirades in back chat, including those of listener Kenny and David Zweig yesterday, exaggerate both the protesters' violence and the police's restraint in Hong Kong. Listeners who do not write or phone into back chat will be able to judge for themselves. That comes uh, from Bowen. Martin says, besides all the American hypocrisy and double standards on its domestic riots versus Hong Kong riots, will the the US government appoint allow an independent commission of inquiry into the cause of the riots. Mike Rouse and our Hong Kong Democrats should the US press on this. Or at least an IPCC-style investigation into police brutality, National Guard and military deployment with international experts. What are the changes the US will invite independent experts such as Professor Clifford Stott, who quit the Hong Kong IPCC and said he will publish his own damning report on the Hong Kong riots? I wonder what Professor Clifford Stott would report on the US riots. And finally, were all the fake act where are all the fake activists during the US riots? Have we seen 50 to 100 yellow vest activist reporters surrounding US police or National Guards? Are they afraid the US police just shoots or arrests them, like it happened multiple times over the past seven days? Uh, Andrew says, uh, is this White House spokeswoman the same woman who said male voting should be banned, but has voted by mail in Florida for the last 10 elections? We need truth, not lies coming from the White House in order to believe them. 
Jay says it's now time for America to riot hard. It's time for the USA to change the stupid laws in America that stop the public from prosecuting the police for wrongful doings. Uh, it's time to remove government officials who haven't done their jobs. We still don't know the story why he was arrested and for what charge or offence. That comes uh, from Jay. And Peter says, we don't need China or CCP to comment on US riots. Pictures speak for themselves. The American police state just gave away years worth of free anti-imperialist US propaganda. Those violence and statements demonstrate the ugly reality of racism, social injustice and state atrocities in America. It simply shatters the toxic illusion of the American dream for many. That comes uh, from uh, Peter. Uh, there's some more. There will be other emails as well that we'll get to and, and comments in, in a moment. Uh, Kenneth Lung, good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Hugh. Thank good you very much indeed for joining us. When you look at those riots, those scenes from uh, from America, uh, what do you think? Uh, do you, you know, when you see, when you have, when we've seen people in Hong Kong championing the US and appealing to Donald Trump for support well, and things um, like that, what are your thoughts? I think that is just part of the story. I think it, it, um, the Hong Kong system and the US system is still different. We are from different cultural and social background, and the political infrastructure is different. But what I can learn from, from, from the U.S., there's one, one lesson. If they act quickly in suspending the suspected policemen, the four policemen who have com- committed the, the, the violence, and in fact one of them um, has been charged with third-degree murder. And, and one lesson that the Hong Kong government should learn is to act quickly. For example, if the extradition bill were withdrawn uh, by end of June, I mean, maybe after the, the sovereign several, you know, um, demonstrations where uh, millions of people turn up if the extradition bill were withdrawn completely by end of June. Um, nothing of that scale would have happened for the past one year. I, I think it's just regrettable that the government here hasn't acted swiftly enough. Um, Kenneth, um, on the other hand, we see footage of um, policemen arresting journalists in America and assaulted protesters and um, using rubber bullets and tear gas. It all looks very similar. What's your response on that? Well, yes, it it is very similar, but also the the level of violence. I mean, um, some you you can see from some of the scene of the demonstration and and riots. I mean, the whole building uh, was burned down. Um, Overall, I think... um, um, I do agree that overall there, there, there is a lot of improvement to be made to the present policing system in Hong Kong. And secondly, I also agree that the IPCC seems to be quite powerless in monitoring um, um, the, the, the use of force by the police uh, under the present system. And I do think the IPCC here in Hong Kong do need to be given some investigation power for the more serious case. And if the police um, complaint office didn't agree with the findings of the IPCC, there must be a mechanism to resolve this difference. These are the you know, current uh, shortcomings or inherent you know, um, inability of the IPCC to deal with the police. And, and there's also the fact that uh, in America, a lot of police would not agree uh, with the use of excessive force in uh, Minnesota. And so we saw uh, some policemen kneeling or joining the protest uh, together with citizens. Uh, uh, and on the other hand, in Hong Kong, uh, uh, even though we might have police officers who think otherwise, or who are more sympathetic to the protest, they, they could not voice out. 
Well, I, I think um, they can do it. I mean, in in private and on in their social media. But of course, I think the government is really um, tight fist in you know quelling all these uh, dissentient voices by invoking um, uh, the civil servants, you know, uh, rules and regulation. They shouldn't, because if they are expressing their own view uh, uh, in social media, in, in a private time when they're not in, on duty, that should be allowed. This is a free society. And I do not think in Hong Kong, I mean, when, when a policeman is wearing uniform, they, they would be allowed to um, express an, an um, you know, opposite view, I mean, uh, under our society. But even when they are using their own social media account, expressing a view which is, you know, contradictory to the government, um, you know, um, they, they're subject to discipline reaction and also the criticism. This is really um, uh, unacceptable in a free society. You were a member of the IPCC, is that right? You sat on I was a member of IPCC from 2011 to uh, 2017, yeah. Uh, do you think that there is there something wrong with the institution, or do you think that, uh, I mean, in the report, do you think, Antonino, do you think it was a, a fair, objective uh, assessment? Well, um, it all depends on, on two things. One is the composition of the members and how the members were elected. And, of course, the members are appointed by the chief executive. I, I think in appointing those members, um, the chief executive, bear in mind, there must be a balance of the composition of the members from various camps. I agree that the majority of members should be drawn from professionals, um, you know, they're neutral politically. The doctors, the social workers, the lawyers, and there are inevitably members from various political spectrum, which would make the IPCC work. Um, in my old days, I think the IPCC uh, was quite a credible organization because the members are quite impartial and independent, and they are drawn from uh, various sectors, truly um, representing various view in society. And of course, there are inherent shortcomings um, in the uh, enabling ordinance, which served the IPCC, as mentioned. Um, they don't have investigation power. They don't um, have the mechanism to resolve any differences when the finding of the IPCC differs from that of the uh, police complaint office. And I think Anthony knew, of course, we, we, we had a bit of expectation from him when he was appointed last year, but... Um, his performance in issuing the, the, the first tranche of the, uh, the report um, on the social incident was, was, in fact, I've read through some of the, the, the findings, it, it's a little bit um, disappointing because all the 52 recommendations were just quite piecemeal and, and superficial. Even if they were all implemented, it won't, um, you know, increase our confidence uh, in the police force. And I think the IPCC needs some, um, you know, quite um, in-depth reform. Um, Kenneth, I, I read in in some of the uh, sort of the blue dominated groups, uh, whether it's WhatsApp or, or oh, website. Oh, I'm surprised you spent time in reading those. No, just just very quickly browse through them. <laughs> um, they they you know their response uh, to the um, uh, to the rights in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. um, they they also refer uh, that uh, they they are very similar to Hong Kong, and they were sort of insinuating that. Um, Hong Kongers must be behind uh, you know, these protests. Uh, have you read something like that? Or? Well, I read something like that. Of course, the chief editor of the, the, the um, Global Times, the Global yeah. Times uh, has insinuated... What's that, well, your take on their response so far? <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I think it's just uh, I can't find any link between the two. I mean, um, no. If I have that, uh, was that was that ser- was that a serious suggestion that there were Hong Kong protesters? Uh, um, I don't know because I mean, they, yeah, they, they, well, the in some of the um, the social media I've read, yeah. I, I yeah, thought it was the, ironic, but no, it was yeah, <laughs> it, it's ironic, and I, I can't yeah. find evidence that it, it was, you know, uh, in, uh, you know, uh, incited by, by by the Hong Kong girls, and 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 I think the the background, uh, the the kind of racism and 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 the causes of the two rights are so different, and of course, I mean, under the U.S. Constitution. Every U.S. citizen is, you know, allowed to carry gun, and that, and, and that means, I think, the level of violence on both sides would, could escalate quite quickly. But um, I, I don't think it is um, worth comparing the, the, the rise in, 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 in the state and the incident we had for the past one year in Hong Kong is totally uh, different. But I think, of course, some people may want to compare it to how, how the police are reacting, how the you know people are reacting. But I, I don't think it's a meaningful comparison. Okay, some some emails on various aspects of that. Uh, Alan, just on what we were just saying there, uh, uh, quotes uh, Global Times editor Hu Jishin uh, saying on Twitter, I highly suspect that Hong Kong rioters have infiltrated American states, attacking police stations, smashing shops, blocking roads, breaking public facilities. These are all routine in their protests. Vicious Hong Kong rioters obviously are masterminds of violent protests across the U.S., uh, that's uh, what uh, Mr. Hu wrote. Uh, Alan says, uh, these are the same people who have been insisting that the US CIA is the black hand behind the Hong Kong protests. The complete contradiction of these ideas doesn't bother him. They just create conspiracy theories out of the air. Uh, we can just laugh, but such imaginary conspiracies were cited to justify the Security Act and will no doubt be used as evidence when they start prosecuting dissenters. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. Uh, Umesh says, so the president has his goons tear gas a peaceful protest at an Episcopal church and manhandle an Aussie camera crew and the pool journalist so he could walk to the church for a photo op, clutching someone else's Bible and threaten to use the military inside the country, which only Congress can authorise. Totally normal. Oh, and he didn't ask the church if he could use them as a backdrop. Looks like very fine edge of dictatorship. That comes uh, from uh, Umesh. Drake says, now people can start to appreciate how disciplined Hong Kong protesters are. Our protesters went past jewellery shops, pharmacies, supermarkets, automobile vendors. None of these were looted, even when protesters trashed the mafia-controlled shops or China banks. Nobody took anything from them. They simply trashed them. That's all. But that's what commie lackeys here would call riots, perhaps perhaps with Chinese characteristics. That comes uh, from Drake. Derek says, I'm seeing many of the sins committed in Hong Kong over the past year being repeated uh, in the US this week. The protests in the US are about what has gone on for a long time, i.e. racial inequality, whereas the protests in Hong Kong are about what is starting to happen, i.e. the loss of freedoms. I don't trust either the US or the Chinese administration, but the US has checks and balances, whereas China does not. I trust the Hong Kong administration will do as they're told. That comes uh, from Derek. Sam says, US officials can now see protests out their own window. Is it right to ask Speaker Pelosi and Secretary Pompeo, should Beijing support protests in the US? Like how the West glorified rioters in Hong Kong and entertained and or acknowledged Kwok Wong's Lee's laws, Mo's lungs. 
this this quote this Minneapolis incident is far from the first in a series of lawless conduct and unjustified violence from US law enforcement unlike the Hong Kong police the American police commit such high profile crimes all too often unquote under fire for use of force the cops there respond with more force if we talked about what's happening in Minneapolis the same way the west talk about events in Hong Kong or elsewhere uh, here's how the Western media would portray a piece of Western fiction. In recent years, the international community has sounded the alarm on the deteriorating political and human rights situation in Hong Kong. Um, by the way, who are the so-called international community? A word touted or prostituted lavishly through the media. Also that bath discard Chris Patton who broke bread in one November prior to 2009 with a one of the most ruthless terrorists the world has known in his den. This terrorist sympathiser pattern has no right to speak on Hong Kong as his sell-by date expired long time ago. That's from Sam. And uh, Andy says, RTHK has reported that a pro-Beijing alliance led by Tam Yu-Chung has collected over 2.92 million signatures in support of the new national security law for Hong Kong. I'm glad the pro-Beijing forces in Hong Kong have been converted to, to democracy and have carried out this de facto referendum on the national security law. Now that they've accepted the principle of important political changes being decided by public referendum, all we need is a real referendum organised by the Hong Kong government to count the public's votes. Later, we can have democratic elections for CE and LegCo. That comes uh, from Andy. Kenneth Lung, uh, what, what about that uh, petition? Doesn't that show, isn't that a sign that there is substantial public support uh, for the well, national right, security law? I don't law? know whether there is any you know, audit on the 2.9 million signatures, any duplication, any checking on the ID. I don't know. I mean, I have, well, they, they have set up booths everywhere to collect um, you know, signatures. And of course, the anti or, or opposing, the, the camp opposing the um, national security laws are also collected signatures and I think the number um, both camps claimed are, are, are similar but what we need is a creditable um, uh, poll on this thing but you know the, the number doesn't mean anything to me because there's no check on, 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 on the signatories. Um, Kenneth, looking at the US sanctions uh, announced by President Trump last week, um, they, they seem a bit like you know Turning the attention, you know, from all these domestic um, uh, issues, uh, these very fundamental underlying issues, which he can't really solve very quickly. But um, you know, what, what's your take on on these U.S. sanctions, um, you know, for Hong Kong? Well, I think the details of the sanction has yet to be seen, and because I think it, it will take another two or three weeks for the detail of the sanction um, to be announced. But um, I do not think, um, at, at the moment, I do not anticipate that there will be anything affecting our, our financial stability. But in terms of trade relationship, I, I do think that will affect our um, export to a certain extent. But of course, I do not think the U.S. could, at the moment, um, throw all, all the ammunition uh, to Hong Kong or, or Beijing, because I, I, I do think they, they still uh, treasure a constructive, you know, um, relationship in the long run. Although at, at this moment, I do agree that because it is election time and they got a lot of domestic problem, they need to do something in order to be seen to be the guardian of the free world. Yeah, do you think that, um, I mean, the markets uh, yesterday basically recovered all their losses, didn't they? Do you think that, do you think that America's, it was, it's a paper tiger and is not going to follow through on these threats and things? And no, Trump's I, got other I, things I on his mind so, and, and basically people were panicking unnecessarily. Yeah. 
Um, yes, the, the, the Hensang Index rose uh, more than 700 points, but is it a sustainable kind of rise? Uh, what situation is our, our global economy? I, I don't think it's that optimistic. I think it's still in, in the short to medium run, I still hold a very a gloomy view of the, the, the economy. And whether U.S. is a paper tiger, I mean, is yet to be seen, because I don't think U.S. is prepared um, to sanction our, our, our financial transactions and stability, because as many um, media has reported, I mean, they can use measures to restrict you know, banks from using their U.S. dollar settlement and, and clearing system, the SWIFT and CHAPS, and they haven't done it yet. I don't think they will do it because it will harm them as well. Uh, but there are quite a number of measures the U.S. can take, but I do not think they want to, to, to sour um, the long-term relationship with China. But of course, in the meantime, um, they have the domestic problem and they want to divert people's attention. That is one of the intentions, I do think. Uh, Paul Chen, our financial secretary, played down uh, you know, the uh, economic impact of uh, these uh, possible U.S. sanctions. Um, he said, you know, um, it, it would be maybe very, very little. Um, w- would you agree with that? Well, the actual economic impact um, could be small, but it is a matter of perception and also um, the confidence. And people do have worry about whether the Hong Kong dollar, U.S. dollar pack uh, will be gone. And I've asked him this question, can you make a guarantee that it will it'll be, be maintained? Yes, he said so. And of course, they need to use quite a, a number of you know, methods and to employ a lot of resources to, to maintain that pack. And on top of that, people are also worried about capital control. And of course, um, he made an assurance as well. But in terms of Hong Kong's economic future and um, the Hong Kong's fiscal system, I I, I do worry a lot because um, this year's uh, fiscal deficit is already $280 billion, according to the Port Chen's estimate. But I do think this is an estimation because our income level could well uh, be under what, what the financial secretary had predicted. My, my, my cautious estimate could be something like in the region of 350 billion just this year. And next year will be another um, uh, deficit year to be in the size of 250 billion to 300 billion. And if that you know, drain on our reserves go on, our credit rating will also come down. We need to get in more revenue and to revive our economy in the long run. That is um, the most important thing to do. But in order to revive our economy, we need to get people's confidence back. And we need peace on the streets, don't we? We need for those protests yeah, we need to peace end. On the street. We need that our core values should be you know, assured. Our freedom of speech, our free flow of information, our rule of law should be intact. And all these uh, would you know, add on to increase people's confidence. No matter is the local people's confidence or the investors' confidence. So you will be against more protests, uh, continuing violence on well, the street. You'll stand up against pro- that. I always support peaceful protests. I always support peaceful protests, and of course, I mean the the, the, the year-long um, social incident has you know led to a lot of problems. Like people are dissatisfied with the way how we are governed. We are dissatisfied with the use of force by the police, and all these um, issues have, you know, um, generated, and there's no solution to it. I mean, the government 
and even the central government would need to find a solution uh, that is acceptable to the people of Hong Kong. Kenneth, um, recently um, citizens probably don't have the right to um, to peaceful protest because, uh, let's say, a lunchtime uh, song singing uh, in in a shopping mall uh, would be um, dispersed. Uh, you know, really after a few minutes. Yeah, I think that What's is quite unacceptable because, of course, they're using the social distancing uh, regulation to disperse the crowd. And also they're using quite conveniently, you know, um, piece of legislation called the Public Order Ordinance. Um, uh, this is an authorized assembly to disperse the crowd. I, I think clearly um, the security uh, bureau and the police force are quite, you know, nervous about any people gathering in the street. And I, I, I think they should dispense with this attitude because we are a city, um, you know, quite popular for for for, for peaceful protest for many, many years. And I think we should be back to, you know, peaceful protest and to show the world we are um, very civilized people. We need to voice our concern. We oh. need to do it in, a, in the right way. Okay, here's an email from uh, Martin for you, uh, who says, Kenneth Lung is making false comparisons because he has to justify his political stance. The US police officers were charged and removed from duty because they killed people right in front of the camera and beating two people to a pulp without cause. Here in Hong Kong, although there were many tactical errors, the police officer have been not been charged because they didn't kill people and only responded to violence directed against them by the protesters. Maybe Kenneth Lung should go to the US to investigate the differences. That comes from Martin. Mr. Lung? Well, I have no interest to investigate the differences because I want to overhaul the system here. That is my main concern. That's why I need. I want the IPCC ordinance to be amended. I want an independent inquiry commission to be set up. Oh, at least we need to investigate what happened in, in, in Yunlong, what, what happened on the 21st of July. That is one of the main concerns of many of the citizens here. Okay, just a couple more comments to finish. Uh, Jay says, we're very lucky here in Hong Kong that the police here have not been using guns. Very often it's also good that Hong Kong people respect property. But what is disgraceful is how we get so much violent American propaganda and murder on the television. This is done to provoke. It's not good for young children. How many of the violent programs on cable TV should be banned from Hong Kong? And uh, finally, uh, Martin, a different Martin, uh, draws attention to a story about the death in, in uh, custody of uh, a man in uh, Chim Sa Choi, a non-Chinese man who resisted arrest uh, that's the police account for suspected criminal damage that was uh, about a couple of weeks ago uh, in uh, Nathan Road um, and uh, Martin says it's the complete lack of concern about the death of the person here in Hong Kong in similar circumstances because he was not Chinese no arrest, no investigations and no outcry from the community that's from uh, Martin. Thank you very much indeed for all those comments. And uh, Kenneth Lung, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning. Uh, Ada, thank you. And uh, here's the weather before we go. Sunny periods, a few showers and some isolated thunderstorms around at first. It's going to be hot. Maximum temperature about 32 degrees in the urban areas, a couple of degrees higher than the new territories. Moderate southerly winds, the outlook very hot in the next couple of days. Some traffic announcements as well. Once again, the Lung Chung Road uh, towards uh, Chun Wai. 
one uh, near Line Rock Tunnel Road. Uh, part of the lanes are uh, still closed to traffic because of vehicle breakdown. Traffic queue on the Longchang Road, Chun One bound ends at Kuntong Road near Kai Yip Estate. Traffic is congested there. You're advised to drive with care. And uh, because of an accident, the fast lane of the island eastern corridor towards Wan Chai near Kwa Centre is still closed to traffic. And there's congestion there as well. 28 degrees, the latest readings. Relative humidity is up at 90%. How to clean our hands properly. First, wet hands under running water. Then keep hands away from the running water. Apply liquid soap and rub hands together to make a soapy lather. Then rub it in accordance with the seven steps of hand washing. Palm. Back of hands. Finger webs. Back of fingers. Thumbs. Fingertips. Wrists. Rub our hands for at least 20 seconds. Rinse hands thoroughly under running water. 933, the news now with Pierre Tremblay. A top microbiologist said there could be a super spreader of COVID-19 at a Shatin public housing estate after six people living in Lekyun Estate came down with the virus. Yun Gok Yong from the University of Hong Kong made the call not to evacuate the block overnight, saying it's unlikely there are structural issues with the building that caused the spread. Singapore has begun a staged easing of its coronavirus lockdown measures. The manufacturing and construction sector can resume operations. Singapore had been seen as a global model for containing the spread of the coronavirus by taking early action, but in April, the city-state experienced a major outbreak in dormitories housing its low-paid migrant workforce. And President Trump has said he'll deploy thousands of military and civilian police to put an end to rioting and looting, which has disrupted cities across the United States for the past week. The protests follow the death in police custody of an unarmed African-American, George Floyd. More news at 10. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. 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 Not too bad at all. Good morning. Neil York Scottish. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the topic here. He's high five. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zen. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday. It's The Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Well, we're going to begin today with our yearly in the flesh visit to Morning Brew Towers with Osboy Jared Watt, armed with a few actual records, which is going to be a right nightmare. Uh, and all the news that's fit to broadcast, he'll be on after 10. 11.10, we're going to go out and about and catch up with Dr. Merrin Pierce for this week's video-linked eco-bit. I think we're going to an organic farm today. I'll wait and see. Now, today in 1953, Great Britain's Princess Elizabeth was crowned Queen. It was obviously a massive day that changed her life forever, but it also changed the world of television. After a push to make TV coverage national, apparently 20.4 million people gathered around their tiny sets, wherever they may have been, to enjoy this occasion. Unheard of figures that cemented the daily habits of the country thereafter. Obviously, George VI's coronation in 